Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday to you and uh, happy Thanksgiving week. We're all looking forward to a little bit of a break uh, this, uh, the end of this week, tomorrow and Friday. And today is Wednesday, November 25th, and I'm just glad to be together. I just love to turn on Facebook Live each morning and see all of you um, pop in there and um, come on and participate with us as we study God's Word. God's Word is eternal. God's Word is um, inerrant. God's Word is perfect and faithful. And we're so glad uh, to open it up every day and to be blessed by what God has revealed to us. We're talking about who I am in Christ for these many uh, days and even weeks. And today I am bringing to you this topic. I am part of God's priesthood of believers. I am part of God's priesthood of believers. Now, some of you might have not have heard that topic before, might not have heard that topic before. So I would like to explain it to you. I think it's very, very precious in our understanding of who we are in Christ. I'm taking us this morning to 1 Peter. So turn with me to 1 Peter, if you will, chapter 2 where we see the beginning of this topic, actually the idea that believers are priests before God is mentioned at least a half a dozen times in the New Testament, very significantly actually, um, not tentatively but very forcefully and clearly. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 4 and 5 and then in verse 9, we read these words. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Pretty clear. Jump to verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we see these two phrases, holy priesthood in verse 5, and then royal priesthood in verse 9. In theology, we call this the priesthood of believers. That is, basically, as a believer in Jesus Christ, who is the final and true high priest, as believers in Jesus Christ, we no longer have to have a human intermediary between us and God. That's the point. That's the basic bottom line point of priesthood of believers. We no longer have to have a human intermediary between us and God in order to talk with God, commune with God. So we don't need a human priest, which is why in our faith tradition, I'm a pastor or a minister, but not a priest. It's very important to your understanding. That's why, that's why we do what we do. You don't need a priest because you are a priest, in a sense. You are a priest. And so in what sense, then, are we all as believers priests before God? In what sense? And so I have four things that I want to 
teach us this morning about what it means to be a priest before God as a believer or a believer priest. And the first thing is direct access to God. First and most important point, and I've already alluded to it, that uh, we have direct access to God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. You've heard this before, perhaps, in the temple. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was, and it was where God's presence was said to reside most uh, prominently. Uh, he could only, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and that only once a year. So it was, very, it was a very privileged position. Well, that's not true now. Now, all of us as believers can have direct access to God. We can, in a sense, go into the Holy of Holies in the sense that we can meet with God uh, individually, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, that we have the presence of God even within our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can come into the presence of God through prayer. We can confess our sins directly to God without a human intermediary. We don't have to go to a confessional uh, and have someone listen to our confessions um, because we have direct access to God. Well, of course, this makes me think or makes us think of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, which says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can have confidence when we go and pray, when we go and meet with God, when we go and commune with Him because we have that direct access as priests in that sense. So in that sense, we are a priest. We have direct access to God. He's, of course, made this way through Jesus Christ, who is the true and final high priest. Um, and now we have that direct access. I was thinking uh, about illustrations of direct access, and one of the illustrations I like to use is that when I was in high school, I would work for my father at the bakery, during the summers, and one of the things, one of the tasks that I was generally given to do was to make deliveries uh, in the morning. And so I would take the products from the bakery, I would drive them into town, and I would deliver them to restaurants and hotels. And I always enjoyed the privilege of walking in the back door of a restaurant or of a hotel. I thought that was so special. Uh, you know, part of it was kind of new to me, and so I could, you know, go into that service door, walk right in and there, you know, rock, walk right into the kitchen and take the products right into the cooler and leave them. And, and uh, I felt so proud because I had the company van and I would wear my company shirt and, and uh, I had direct access to the kitchen of all places, which I always thought was so special. Uh, but it's just a, a way of remembering the importance of direct access, which we have to God. So that's the first sense in which we are priests. Secondly, we can offer spiritual sacrifices or present uh, sacrifices to God. Well, in the Old Testament, it was only the priests, once again, who were able to do these things. It was only the priests who 
could present the sacrifices. Of course, the people would bring the sacrifices to the temple. They would bring the, um, the various animal sacrifices. But then they would have to give it over to the priest who would then um, slay it and then present it on the burnt um, on the on the altar of, uh, for burnt offerings. And uh, so the people would bring them, yes, but it was the priest, only the priests who could present them. And so now, of course, um, we can present our sacrifices and our offerings directly to God. And of course, we see this uh, in our First Peter passage where it says in verse 5 that we are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, what, what makes our offerings acceptable to God, right? Because that's the issue, is that, is that we can offer things. We offer our time, our, our, uh, uh, our talents, our, our money, our ministries, whatever it is we're offering. But what makes them acceptable to God? Well, what makes them acceptable to God, of course, is who we are in Christ, right? Because now we're living stones. Notice how it even says it right there that he's being that now we are living stones, being built into a, a living house, um, a spiritual house. God has made us spiritually alive. Talked about this yesterday. Absolutely regenerated, utterly holy, utterly righteous, imputed righteousness of Christ. And so it's because of that, because we are righteous now, we are holy, like a priest, right? We are holy before God because of the imputed righteousness of Christ that we can offer these sacrifices. That's what makes them acceptable, not because our sacrifices are so good um, uh, in, the, in and of themselves, but because God has made us into priests who can give acceptable sacrifices. This, of course, reminds us of Romans chapter one, uh, chapter 12. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, super common, important, popular verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So on the Old Testament, they brought an animal sacrifice. In the New Testament, what kind of sacrifices do we bring? We bring ourselves as living sacrifices. We bring ourselves as living sacrifices. Um, yes, we are willing to die for Christ, right? Uh, this the saying goes. But more importantly, we're willing to live for Christ. We're willing to live for Christ. So it's a living sacrifice. The context here in Romans 12 is that the is that the um, the Gentiles were ingrafted into the house of God through. Um, in, into the, into the um, into the family of God, to the line of Israel, the Gentiles were grafted in, and so now that they were grafted in, they could behave in a way, in a certain kind of way, like believers. And now, what's their role? Well, their role is to offer themselves as spiritual sacrifices. No longer physical sacrifices, but now we offer ourselves. So that's the second sense in which we're priests. Direct access to God, number one. We offer sacrifices, number two. Number three, um, we declare the praises of God. And this comes, of course, from our First Peter core passage, verse 9, where it says, um, you are a royal priesthood, 
and you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. So we're declaring praises, just like the priests of of the Old Testament. Uh, Notice, think about this for a moment. Notice how we do worship in our church. Okay? Yes, we have some pastors and some uh, people up front that are paid, uh, but for the most part, we all worship. We all participate in the worship services, whether it's um, all the volunteers that we have up front and the worship team or the choir or people coming up and praying or, or participating in whatever, giving testimony, plus the fact that we believe that every single person in the, in the pews is also a participant in the worship act of God, the, the worship service of God. And so it's everybody. It's not just a priest or um, a one person uh, performing the worship services. We invite all people to come. Why? Because we're all priests before God. Uh, so uh, in that sense, we are offering praises to him as priests. This reminds me of Hebrews chapter 13, which I really love, verse 15, Hebrews 13, 15, which says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. A sacrifice of praise. Now, I love that verse, but it also begs a question. And the question that it always begs for me is, why is praise a sacrifice? I mean, sometimes I think maybe praise is easy, not a sacrifice, right? But So why, in what sense is praise a sacrifice? Two reasons, or two ways. Number one, when you praise God, you're giving up something of value. You're giving up your words. Actually, your words have value. Words are very important. Some people say, sometimes we say words are cheap, and in some sense that's true compared to actions. But in another sense, our words are valuable uh, in the sense that we only have so many words in a day. We only have so much energy, especially emotional energy, in a day. And so to spend some of that energy, some of those words in your day on praising God is a sacrifice. I could use those words to puff up myself. I could use those words to criticize someone else. There's lots of ways in which we can use our words, and at the end of the day, your words are all used up. But if we use our words to praise God, it's a sacrifice. And I love that idea of of words being a, um, a limited quantity, and so to use any of them on praising God is a sacrifice. Secondly, when you praise you're identifying yourself as a believer. Like in the Old Testament, when people went to the temple, they were identifying themselves as a believer in Jehovah God. And so as you offer praise, whether in church or uh, in person somewhere, uh, in conversation, at work or whatever, or online, in your postings, whatever, you are identifying yourself as a believer in, in Jesus Christ. And so in that sense, praises are a sacrifice. Okay, so quick review, and then I have one more point. Um, what does it mean to be a, a, a priest, a believer priest before God? Number one, direct access. Number two, offer sacrifices. Number three, declare praises. And then one more very important part of being a priesthood believer, uh, a, a believer priest, I should say, is we will reign with Christ in heaven. We will reign with Christ in heaven. Uh, being a priest is a way of saying you can be in Christ's presence as he is the great high priest. So in that sense, we get to be priests with him. Uh, 
this reminds me back in our on our court passage, verse 9, 1 Peter uh, 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. I love the word royal there because it reminds us that we will be reigning with the king in his family. Okay, now we get this, however, from a different passage, Revelation chapter 5. Actually, it's in Revelation, the book of Revelation twice. But the one I like best is Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, talking about our reigning with Christ. The elders were saying a new song. Verse 9, you are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. We love that verse. It's praising Jesus. Uh, And then look at verse 10. Jesus, you have made them, that is, those you purchased, all of us, that's all of us, you have made them to be a what? A kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is a fantastic, powerful revelation about uh, something in heaven. Um, And that something is that we will reign with Christ. We're going to be, number one, we're going to be a part of Christ's kingdom, it says. You have made them to be a kingdom, right? And the king is Jesus, so we're part of Christ's kingdom. Uh, And then it says we will be priests, serving God, along with King Jesus, who is the great high priest. But we will be priests serving God, the royal priesthood, and we will reign on the earth. We will reign on the earth with Jesus. You see, my friends, you are a believer priest by being a believer in Jesus Christ. It's no small thing. It's a huge thing. And understand that to be true about your identity in Christ that you are a, a, a believer priest before God with all of these privileges. Isn't it awesome? All of these privileges. Take those privileges with you into your day today. And I've shown you this truth to be clearly proven from the Scriptures, from six different Bible passages teaching the exact same thing. So be blessed today. You are a believer priest before God. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this awesome truth that you've taught us in your word, which is part of our identity in Christ. Lord, help us to take this truth and these graces with us today as we go. Lord, they are such a gift. Your whole word is a gift to us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us great thanksgivings this week, each in our own families. Lord, that you would remind us of all the things that we're thankful for uh, before you in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everyone, have a great day and have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you Sunday morning. Talk to you then.